I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we start off with the weekend review. What movies or TV shows we've been watching since the last episode. Move on to a main event, which is a main review or topic of discussion. And then finish up with Film Phase, our respective list of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. Uh, this episode, we're going to actually uh, play with the format a little bit more. Again, we will not have a weekend review for this episode like that was the case in the previous episode. Uh, so we haven't seen enough movies or TV shows since uh, recording that we feel we want to talk about. So we'll jump right into the main event in a moment here. That will be our review of Disney's remake of its own film, Mulan. Then, we in film phase, we will be counting down our combined list of our 12 favorite Chinese movies. And sharing with you our shame of not watching enough Chinese movies that kind we wanted of, to. Kind of, yeah. More on that later. First, oh, hey, first, if you have checked out the bonus episode of A Tenet, I made a boo-boo that I need to correct right away. There is a movie that Robert Pattinson starred in. I incorrectly credited the wrong director. That movie was High Life that Robert Pattinson starred in. That movie was actually directed by Claire Denis. I had mistakenly said it was directed by the Safdie brothers. Robert Pattinson actually did star in a Safdie brothers release. That movie was called Good Time. And that film came out around 2017. So... Apologies for the error there, but I like to fix my mistakes whenever possible. Now, with that, let's get into the main event and our review of Disney's Mulan. We have excellent news. The matchmaker has found you an auspicious match. It is decided. Come and sit down. It is what is best for our family. Yes, I will bring honor to us all. Quiet. Composed. Graceful. Disciplined. These are the qualities we see in a good wife. These are the qualities we see in Mulan. It's my duty to fight. Him. 
And that was from the trailer to Disney's Mulan. Disney's latest remake, live-action remake of its catalog animated movies. Now, when we talk about a film in review, what we like to do is first focus on the good, what worked about a movie, what we liked about it, and then talk about the bad, what flaws were there, what sucked about a film, what just didn't work for us in general. Then after weighing whether or not the good outweighs the bad, we like to move on into spoiler talk with our final discussion, okay? So with Mulan, it is actually worth noting that this film was directed by Nikki Caro, who is the director of Whale Rider. That kind of got her some notice. Uh, And then she went on to actually have a relationship with Disney. She's no stranger to working with Disney because she did a film several years ago with Disney called McFarland USA. Uh, I I have not seen that racing movie. Have you seen that? No. Uh, She also did a film with Charlize Theron called North Country. And she also did a film with Jessica Chastain, which we still never caught around to catching up with, called The Zookeeper's Wife. I've only seen Well Rider in North Country of her filmography. Well Rider is definitely her better film based on those. So yeah, she's directed Mulan. And then this film also stars a lot of Chinese actors. And it's an all Asian cast, first of all. It's worth noting that, right? And it stars <clears throat> such people as Donnie Yen. Gone Lee, Jet Lee, Jason Scott Lee, Z Ma, and PP Chang. So, Shanna, why don't you talk first a little bit about? Let's talk a little bit about our relationship to the and our thoughts on the original Mulan film. That seems to be a really important place to start, based on the dialogue around this film. And then we can segue into our thoughts on this film, What Was the Good? So first tell us a little bit about your relationship with the original film. So I don't think I got to see this film in the theaters. And I think I was around 11, 12. I think you're 11. Because if you were born in 87, it came out in 98. Okay, yeah. I have a lot of sentimental value attached to this film, and I'm totally okay saying that. Sometimes that happens with people. My father had gone to Australia for the first time, and he brought back, I think, Monsters Incorporated. Did that come out around the same time? Uh, that was more like 2001. Oh, okay. That same Toy year would have been a bug's life, Oh, okay. Maybe. There we go. So he came home with A Bug's Life and Mulan VHS tapes for us from Australia. So there were things being advertised on the VHS tapes to Australian people like Disney on Ice, which I was like, wait, what? Mm. That's a thing? Mm -hmm. So it, it has. And so it was just this little treasure that we had that we got to see into another world, you know, what was being advertised because we're such consumers. And, you know, so the physical copy has sentimental value to me. And I think it's important to mention because we just had to purchase this digitally. So 
I, I think it, it's important to note that physical copies, something physical can have sentimental value. I loved this film growing up. I preferred the character Mulan to Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Really? I liked Belle, but I, I thought she was smart and I thought she was clever, but I also thought she was really tolerant of things, her situation. And yes, there's heroism in that, but you know. Really? I really loved Mulan because she is all those things and not tolerant. You know, she's like... I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to protect my father specifically. And I'm going to be the one to go to war. I don't care what's going to happen to me as long as my father gets to be safe. Is, so Is that intolerance? Oh, wait. Belle kind of does the same thing. Shit. Yeah, she protects her father. She sacrifices herself to protect her father. But at the same time, Belle's breaking marital stereotype stuff. You know, like it's important. Yeah, it Princess is important. Movie. But Mulan is breaking like gender roles, which I feel is so much bigger, at least in Fair. my perspective. Sure. Subjectively, sure. it's bigger for me. So I've always loved her and I've loved her sidekicks. I love the horse. I love the cricket. I always thought the cricket was the cutest thing. I love the songs. I know there's only like you watched this recently. There's only four or five songs. Yes. And I like them, but my favorite is Be a Man because it kind of is the celebration of celebrating your masculine side if you do identify as a woman. And mm. I always found that to be pretty cool growing up, being told that I, being growing up around seven boys, you know, in our family units, like being told, oh, you don't get to play with RCs or you know, run around too much or be rough. So I, that always appealed to me. Mulan has always appealed to me. So I've also loved the art style that Mulan does. You know, they're, they're taking from artworks that we have seen that depict the Chinese landscape, Hmm. the landscapes of China. So this movie means something to me. And does, and it still does, as an adult, because you've seen it periodically throughout your life. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it in the last three years, mm-hmm. but I I do come back to it when I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, I, as you mentioned, I rewatched this film recently, and I'm really glad that I did a couple of days before seeing this remake. I remember growing up. You had the whole run of Disney films of A Little Mermaid all the way through Lion King. Wait, right? I think wait, I think it's important that you state your age too. Well, I I'll get there. Had those movies and then Pocahontas came along and Hunchback for of Not- uh, Notre Dame and Hercules and and the quality of the Disney films took a steep drop off of the cliff with those films compared to what came before, all right? And then when I was not even 18 yet, Mulan came along, and I remember at the time thinking, okay, yeah, this is a step above the previous three films. And I remember, so I remember it being pretty good. I remember it not being great, but I remember it being pretty good. And then I remember Tarzan coming out the year after, and I remember that one being better than Mulan was, right? And then Disney took a steep drop after that with uh, its 
next period of films or the following period of films. It'll be really interesting, I think. One of the things I've been trying to get to all year, and it looks like it'll be a 2021 project, is going through Disney through the years and and watching and reviewing every single animated film chronologically through Disney Animation Studios. And it'll be interesting revisiting this period, too, to see, you know, if my memory of everything lines up still. So... Rewatching this movie, of course, the past couple of years there's been a lot of talk and, and reverence towards this animated film from 98. And uh, people would even say, oh, yeah, there's songs. And I'd be like, wow, I don't I don't remember music really in that movie. I kind of remember I kind of remember I'll make a man out of you. But that was that was all I could remember. I, and I realized I didn't remember much of the movie at all. So. Watching it again before the remake was really helpful. However, I found that the movie is actually worse than I remembered it being. You said that there's four or five songs. First of all, all those songs are fairly forgettable and are not top-tier Disney material. Like, we're not... There's no Be Our Guest here. There's no Under the Sea, Kiss the Girl, A, a Whole New World. Like, I know a lot of these are romantic <laughs> songs, but... No, but you're also mostly mentioning Little Mermaid there. You've got, like, three picks. And Anna, Aladdin and, and Beauty and the Beast. There's no Be Prepared. There's none of these really top-tier songs from the Disney songbook in this movie. And, and in fact, the one that everybody remembers, I'll make a man out of you, be a man. Like we're celebrating the most toxic masculine song <laughs> in the whole of, of Disney's uh, songbook. Tell uh, me, tell me, tell me how it's toxic. Tell me the words you, in it that make it toxic. It's literally, it, first of all, you and I kind of differ on this song because you remember it being mostly about Mulan and having rewatched it recently, it is mostly about this general training these guys and making them tough and strong well, and, I'm just, and getting them the shape and <laughs> making sure they measure up and stuff. I'm just confused. I'm looking at the lyrics right now. And yes, did they send me daughters when I asked for sons? That's a little... That's a little sexist. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you always say, it's of the time. And it's period accurate. I always thought this was, you know, they're, they're going to war. Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. They're getting these people ready to go to war. Yes, that's Okay, so they have to be hard on them. They have to be mean, etc. But I always found the one verse being tranquil as a forest, but on fire within. Once you find your center, you're sure to win. Then he insults them again. <laughs> and again. And again. Um, so that little piece... <laughs> Great defense that you're building here. That little piece... <laughs> always stood out to me because I was like, oh, I'll find my center. But, and, you know, then the next verse is I'm never going to catch my breath. Say goodbye to those who knew me. Boy, was I a fool in school for cutting gym. I loved all of that because like some of these guys were admitting that they weren't prepared. You know, I, I always yeah. thought it was nice that they were admitting 
that they they need improvement mm-hmm. and so you know the the chorus is be a man we must be swift as the course in river be a man with all the force of a great typhoon be a man with all the strength of a raging fire mysterious as the dark side of the moon i mean i always thought that was rather beautiful and an, a nice way to talk about masculine uh look the tarzan songs do it way better with compassion and love but you know, this is what we had at the time. <laughs> this is what we had at the time. And the question is whether or not that holds up. And I'm telling you that even the most memorable song in this movie isn't necessarily that great. And it's 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 memorable. It's catchy. Uh, anyway, I like to move on from the songs. The songs are not that great in this mo- in the animated film. And Mushu is not one of the best. Uh, sidekick comic relief in all of Disney history. He is no Sebastian. He is no uh, Boo or, or a Carpet. He is no uh, what is it? Lumiere and Cla- you know what Clodsworth. would be a He's... fun list after rating all the yeah, Disney yeah, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. is is rating the sidekick characters could be pretty cool. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but Mushu would definitely be far down there on that list. His jokes just are not that very uh, are not well written and it seemed like they were just really banking on eddie murphy's talent Hmm. to really carry through uh, in in, in his performance whatever they wrote and it does not it does not land look say what you will i do like when mushu rants about dishonor on you dishonor on your family dishonor on your cow you know i i like his rant sometimes yeah all right but yeah, like I don't understand the love of Mushu outside of anybody who was maybe grade school or preteen age at that time, and they thought that was the funniest shit they'd ever seen as a kid, you know, because watching it now, uh, I'm sorry, like his jokes and his writing was way better and his characterization was way better in Shrek as the donkey than he gets as a Mushu in Mulan. But I will say... That movie is not terrible because there are nuggets of interest. Anytime the movie's actually being genuine and sincere about the the legend of Mulan, for lack of a better term, you know, what she has to do and the battle scenes and those kinds of things, you know, then the movie is actually interesting. And it feels like at the time Disney did not trust the material to be interesting enough without throwing in forgettable songs and a poor sidekick. So with that said, (laughs) why don't you tell us your general impression of the remake and what was good about it? Well, I have a disclaimer. I feel like I'm at an advantage here. Because we knew that with our Mulan review, we were going to do a Chinese list at the end of that episode. This right. ep- This episode that is finally here. <laughs> yes. Because it's been since March, you know, that we've been wanting to do this. Right, yes. We, I've maybe watched 10 Chinese films, and I feel like... Each experience broadened my understanding of the Chinese culture and history and story-making style. They all seem to share this theme of 
we're going to tell a story and it's going to be a dense story and you're going to think that you've been watching this movie for an hour after 15 minutes (laughs) and then you're going to be like wait what just happened we time traveled I've never been to China but through these movies I've been able to gain an understanding of what the landscape is like and what color symbolism and significance of certain practices have for Chinese culture and the land Mm mm-hmm and to be fair to yourself, you've actually seen way more than 10 in prep for well, this I think, film. I think I only remember 10. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't count if I said, this is too torturous. We're not going to watch this. No, 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 no. I'm not, obviously, I'm not counting those. No, but you have seen more than 10. Well, that's very sweet of you to give me so much credit. Anyway, I feel like I'm at an advantage because I have this little bit of movie Chinese foundation mm-hmm. uh, set up for me. So when we finally, finally got to watch Mulan, mm-hmm. it was so beautiful. And I, I just had even more appreciation for it because I see the Mulan remake as an opportunity to really shine a light on the the beauty and the practices Of China and its people. Mm. And I felt like this movie did it. Mm. I don't know everything about China and I never will. But from what I got to see, I I really appreciated what this film did. Mm -hmm. It shows a variety of landscapes across the land. You know, we're seeing the rice fields to the stones to... The snow. We got the snow scene that I wanted. I love the snow fight in the original, so mm. that was amazing. We got to see that in this film. Mm. So, any, you know, I have more of appreciation for it, but someone like our son, who hasn't seen a lot of Chinese films, he might have interpreted it as, oh, wow, look at all these different things that this culture celebrates and the way they do things, like the makeup. The way they do the makeup and how it's shot, too. There's a lot of cinemagraphic variety happening here yes you have wide shots you have panning shots then you have cool stuff shots for lack of a better term you know you have the whole the cameras above the table and then it's a little time lapse of putting each item down Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of variety in the cinematography style Mm -hmm. there's everything came out pin sharp which i was really worried about with the film experience the the viewing experience like I know that we should have seen this on a big screen. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't know what they did when we purchased it. Like, I don't know if it will continue like that. But everything was very sharp, even though we don't have the newest TV or whatever. Mm, Everything, all the details were very crisp. Mm -hmm. There is so much color symbolism happening in this film. There is so much texture to this film. I felt like it really was the celebration of China and its people. So that's the China part. (laughs) Okay. And then the performances were just beautiful and stunning. And I felt like the characters were fully realized. I maybe was missing a scene or two uh, from the original that I wish had been incorporated somehow. But all in all, I really, really loved this film. I loved the talents that I got to see. Uh, You know, I would hear someone and I'd be like, oh, that sounds familiar. That voice sounds familiar and mm-hmm. would look it up and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I love that actress. Mm-hmm. So it was really, it was quite beautiful. I loved the additional characters they had. 
I love the way they pivoted things um, because of additional characters in the story. I love the realization of woman noticing woman and acknowledging each other's strengths Mm. and also being there to remind them that, yes, this is my strength and you can have that too. Mm. You can practice it. You can put your strength to this particular kind of practice. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, the the uh, this movie. There's a lot of anticipation for this movie. We've spent half a year of of the year that it was supposed to be released, looking forward to seeing this. And you know, I I think that might contribute to some people's frustration in response to it. But I, I think here's the thing. If you want the animated movie from 1998, if you love that, go see the animated movie from 1998. But I, I am telling you, this remake is how you do a remake. This is just about everything I had hoped it would be based on the trailers. I had been so tired of all of these Disney remakes where it was just a carbon copy of what they did before that they did great the first time and it just was not able to capture the magic of the original or improve upon the original whatsoever. And it just felt like a money cash-in because these people, they know the name they recognize the brand. They'll go out and watch whatever has to do with that brand, and uh, and we'll take all the uh, money as a result. If you want to remake something, do something different with it. Make improvements on it, um, and that's what this movie does. It changes a lot from the original while being a remake of that story. And the changes it makes, excising Mushu, excising the music. I'm sorry, fans of Mulan. I just, I think you could use a more sensitive word. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. If you want that movie, go watch that movie. Have fun. Yeah. But that is not this movie. This is a remake of that. And it is the first time that Disney took a risk by not making the same damn movie, short of Pete's Dragon. And, and it pays off here. It is... I'd say it is the best remake they have made. Peach Dragon, up until now, you know, a really good movie, but not a great movie. Better than the original. But you know what? I didn't hear anybody crying out, we want that dancing uh, poor-ass family from Peach Dragon. Where is that family in the remake of uh, Peach Dragon? Where is the mean old lady? I mean, I would have been okay with every little piece being sung somewhere in there. I don't understand why people are so precious about uh, this particular movie. Be precious about Beauty and the Beast. Be precious about Aladdin. Be precious about Little Mermaid. They're actual crown jewels. Be precious about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Thankfully, they haven't remade that one yet. Whatever. Cinderella. All their actual classic great movies. The original Mulan was great in concept and what it represented. But as a movie... This is way better. Why is it way better? First of all, I totally agree with you, Shanna. We lost out here. 
this thing should have been on the big screen. I mean, I would have had us go to Seattle and watch it on the IMAX because I think it would have been totally worth it. It is gorgeous. Nikki Caro as a director is really stepping up her game. If you could please actually look up the cinematographer too. We need to call out the cinematographer because there's some really great stuff visually in this film. Uh, so this film needs to be celebrated first for taking its risk. First, uh, second for being an all Asian cast. That was not the case with the animated movie, by the way. If I remember correctly, uh, Donny Osmond, I think, was a voice in the animated Mulan. You have none of that sort of stuff here. In fact, you're right. We do benefit from having watched uh, several, several Chinese films because we see all the giants of Chinese cinema for the past 30, 40 years, except for Jackie Chan, in this movie. Donnie Yen is in it. Uh, we, we also don't see Michelle Yeoh, but even Mina Wen, the original voice of Mulan, makes a cameo in it. Yeah, Jet Li, an unrecognizable Jet Li, is in this film. Zima, uh, P.P. Chan, who was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. There's just so much that is in this. Star-wise, that is fantastic. So it's rewarding if you also understand, yes, a lot of Chinese cinema is uh, historic epics, and sometimes it also has some wuxia elements. And this film... That was very exciting. ...has a little bit of wuxia elements. We'll mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but there is some wuxia elements in this film as well. If you understand elements of Chinese cinema, you can go along and understand what they're trying to do with this film. So the visuals and the direction are fantastic here. It's also interesting how they changed the matchmaker scene while retaining the spirit of the scene. In other scenes, there's references to what was originally in the animated film, but they don't like they don't play it beat for beat. They just make a reference to that. So as a fan of the original, you get something out of that, right? Well, and I want to say that Mulan has even more tenaciousness, strength, and brilliance in this remake. Mm. You know, you, you look at that tea scene, you reminded me that the matchmaker in the original says that you must be poised. Well, I'm very sorry. Mm -hmm. Mulan is pinpoint poised in right. this one with what happens in that scene. So I I love it. The cinematographer of Mulan is amazing. Mandy Walker. So this is triple if rated. Well, that it? has to do with the writer or the okay. director. So we're double if rated. Who's, who's the writer of the movie? Turns out Mandy Walker has done the cinematography for Mulan, Hidden Figures, Australia, Tracks, which has given her a few awards. I'm not sure what the movie is, but again, awards. Then she did that the Mountain Between Us with Idris Elba. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so a few movies I haven't seen uh, yet. And then something called Truth, which seemed to get her a few awards because, All right. you know. Uh, and the writers are Rick Jaffa, Amanda Silver, Elizabeth Martin, and Lauren Hynek. I don't know if any of those are actually the original writers that are being credited or, you know, story credit or whatever. But um, if that if they're not, then yes, this movie is triple F rated because you have uh, three women writers, a female director, and a female lead, played by Yafai Liu, who is new to me. I thought she was magnificent in this. 
Gon Lee is great in this. Uh, Gon Lee, if you're familiar with Chinese cinema, she was the star. And she was in a lot of Zhang Mao films during the course of the 80s and the 90s. Uh, she is a tremendous actress, and she does a great job here as a character whose name I, I apologize, I cannot pronounce, I don't think, based on the spelling. It's like Zhang Jian, who is like a witch. She's the, the witch that we see in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I wanted to give... Well, she's actually a warrior, so let's be... However you that. want to credit her, that's the character that Gon Lee plays, and she plays that wonderfully. Was there anything else you wanted to say that was good about this version of Mulan? I just feel like it's a truer story and truer to where it comes from. Yes, that's the other thing I was going to say, too. It seems... Hmm... I don't know if authenticity is is the accurate word, but you feel like whenever this is taking place, it's very vague about that. It feels very much of its time, the way people are, their attitudes towards women and stuff are of its time. It seems very honest and truthful about that. And um, it seems culturally authentic as well. Is that what you meant? Yes, but also with the performances. You know, I, I think of the farewell and how quiet the performances are in there. And I kind of compare it to this. And I just feel like they're hitting the right notes here. And mm -hmm. I hope that they do other movies that are from other cultures mm -hmm. and that they do it right. The original Mulan, it's a different time. And you can tell that they've taken this story and they're going to make it their own right rather than take the story and honor where it came from that's what they achieved here and mm. so i hope that they do that going forward with other films that come from other places uh you know time will tell if they continue this trend if that e is even a thing right now their docket is cruella which we've mentioned before starring emma stone and then a remake of little mermaid i don't know what else is on in their plans? What other movies they're playing? Oh, I think they're doing Hercules also. But I wonder how far they are in that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know in terms of culturally speaking what they can draw. Remember, like Disney is notorious for being predominantly white in their storytelling, right? Well, you and know, if and, they're doing Hercules, I really truly hope that they're going to use people of Greek origin mm. and and probably Roman origin too. I think. But I, I don't care how old the story is. Mm. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be true mm. from where it came from. Well, let's move on into the bad. What didn't work for us? Shanna, what, why don't you get us nope. started? What didn't work for nope. you about this remake of Mulan? Nope. I don't think I have any problems right now. Are you serious? Um, I, I loved all the characters. Like I felt like all the decisions they made were realistic. Uh, in a sense, like I, I love the original where the the Huns, I think, sneak up on them mm -hmm. or something in the snow scene in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And they didn't quite do that in the movie, in the remake, but they kind of incorporated as as best they could. And I felt like, oh, well, what you're doing here is probably more realistic. So mm. I felt like all the decisions they were making were fairly realistic. I love the witch warrior character. Mm -hmm. I 
maybe we needed a little bit more time with the Huns, but at the same time, I don't really care about them. I care about Mulan and her family. I can only say praises for this right now. Why don't you share your issues? Uh, I don't think it's a perfect film. I do have issues as much as there is much to praise and appreciate about this film. There are little things here and there that are not, that prevent it from being perfect or great, right? It's the CGI spider, isn't it? <laughs> That's funny, though. <laughs> uh, no, like the first thing is that really struck me as like uh, within five minutes, it becomes apparent that Mulan has superpowers Look, they talk a lot about chi and energy and all that sort of stuff. But, like, this little girl is able to do superhuman things during the first five minutes of the movie. And that is a drastic change from, you could say, yes, the original, but also, like, you're telling a legend of supposedly a normal average girl who did something extraordinary, right? So making her extraordinary in the first place right off the bat kind of takes away the elements that make her partially make her relatable and interesting you know as this village girl who went off and passed herself off as a man and became one of the army's greatest warriors that's extraordinary enough to add this element of her being special was did not feel necessary to me and it took me a little bit out of it okay let's just take it easy here superpowers are your issue yes that's yes like have you you've watched something like sleeping beauty right okay with disney yeah but if you go and look at the original tale it's horrific and there are things that are left out of it so uh, have you looked at the actual legend of mulan no does she okay. have superpowers in the actual i don't legend of know i okay, will so... no 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 listen here to me <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't no matter. like she's a story she's a story to inspire others about things that need attention now and hopefully not decades from now. And we've watched enough Chinese movies to know that, what do you call it, wuxia? Yeah, wuxia, yeah. To know that wuxia is, I would safely say, it's it's China's version of superpowered beings. And for you to say that Mulan has superpowers, I feel like is very disrespectful. I really? feel like, yeah, I do. I do. Because she's not a Marvel superhero. I think that th- there is a ton And why do of... they treat her like she's a Marvel superhero? They show her bleeding, don't they? They show her injured. They show her sad. They But they show her at the age of like 10 or younger being this extraordinary person who can do things that no average child okay, her age they, can do. Okay, 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 okay. They set it up though. They show you a couple shots of her practicing this this art of movement. Mm-hmm. in the rice fields etc they're yeah. not just throwing you in there and they're that trying happens to after 
They're drawing inspiration for something. I from something. I can't find the word. But if you look at House of Flying Daggers, you look at Hero. You look at what's the other one? Uh, what Crouching Tiger? Yes. And Dragon. You look at those movies, mm-hmm. and honestly. That's a Chinese thing. That's not an American thing, but it does you. really well in America. So I feel like, I hey, this is kind of cool. And to me, from like a personal female identifying point of view, we do have innate abilities that we're born with, whether it's to analyze something, to build something, or to practice a physical art mm-hmm. movement. So I'm totally cool with the direction we went. I agree that you do have things that are innate inside of you, and uh, I believe Mulan does as well, and she doesn't need the superpowers in order to demonstrate that. Now, as far as the wuxia point that you make, that was the other issue I had. There are wuxia elements on the one hand, it's like, oh, okay, I see what they're going for here, but the problem is it's not consistent. It's not a consistent element of the movie, and it's an element that really seems to only pertain to Mulan, as opposed to a lot of the movies that you are referencing. Have it, others that are practicing it's it a, in it's front of us. It's part of the whole fabric of the bigger picture, right? Okay, cool. So um, it, it, it almost... She's not alone. Because of introducing that element, it almost feels like the movie isn't sure if it wants to be a wuxia film or if it wants to be a historic epic. It kind of makes it just slightly off kilter in that regard. I don't agree with you. We see the witch warrior also practicing it. She's kind mm. of mastered it. She's like a, like several levels ahead of Mulan. Uh, we also see the emperor use it very briefly. You know, the father sets it up. He says something along the lines of, you know, this is a practice. And if you're not practicing it, you're not going to have the ability. Mm. And, you know, everybody's pretty happy in that freaking village. Like, no one's had a war for a while. Everyone's kind of chill. So maybe that's why they're not practicing it. Sure, they don't acknowledge that no one else is practicing it. But you also see that the woman who is the witch who identifies as a warrior, Mm -hmm. she's getting persecuted and being called a witch. Mm -hmm. And then Mulan got called a witch too. And the emperor doesn't show his wuxia technique in front of anyone. Mm -hmm. The emperor only shows it in somewhat private setting. So to me, I'm like, well, maybe there's too much persecution around it and we don't know enough culturally about what was happening then and, like, maybe it was... Don't does the movie this. Does the movie tell you that information? You always want, you always say you don't want things spelled out, but, like, at the same time, I think you do. Does the, no, no, like, it has to be in the text. Whatever you're arguing has to be in the text. Okay, so I movie, added two things. Either in two the things. subtext, ah. suggested, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just make shit up. <laughs> Shall we move into spoilers? No. We've gone pretty long here. No. Is there any? Okay, go no. ahead. What else didn't you, what What did you, you said you didn't have anything that you were, you didn't like about the movie. I have a problem with you having a problem with the wish. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just, it didn't work for it me. It didn't work 100%. for you personally. It worked sure as hell fine for me. Fair enough. Okay, now we can move on. Okay, so, because we're going long on this review, let's, let's move into spoilers. Uh, for those who haven't seen the film, does the good outweigh the bad, and how would you rate it? It most definitely does. I'd rate it a 9 out of 10. Whoa. Yeah, it really did it for me. 
the good definitely outweighs the bad. There is so much here that is worthy of celebrating and worthy of appreciation. Nikki Caro does some of her best work in this film. And there's a couple other things, especially pertaining to the witch, I want to talk about in spoilers that I think have have layers of interest to them. So uh, I think this movie is highly recommendable. This movie is a $200 million budgeted film plus marketing. This was supposed to be Disney's huge release this year. They, because of the pandemic, have actually, believe it or not, even though it's a huge conglomerate, have been suffering with their losses quarter by quarter here. I recommend throwing some coin. This is the kind of movie you want to vote for Disney making. Uh, Something that is all Asian, that has representation here, that is doing something different, that has taking risks. I couldn't recommend Mulan more forget every other movie that disney made this past decade mulan right now is 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 probably the one to recommend the most but it's not perfect so i give the film a seven out of ten it's because they didn't have your favorite character mushu huh very very funny (laughs) no i know seriously like people actually are rating it a three a one and a half star a five Uh, and, and a lot of it is because it's not the anime movie I'm telling you now, if you want the animated movie, go keep to your animated movie. If you want something that um, does something different with a story and actually does what a remake should actually do, what we always complain remakes not do, which is improve upon the original, this is the one to celebrate and, and support. So I recommend it. Shanna recommends it even more than me. Even though I feel like I'm giving the more <laughs> impassioned uh, support for it. Are you it. saying I'm not impassioned about how I support it? I just did the, Oh, we'll have words later. I just did the Kermit the Frog <laughs> bite the lip thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not what I'm saying. I just feel like I'm coming across way more intense about it. Let's go into spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, pause. Go watch it on Disney+. Plus. Come back. Join us for spoilers. Otherwise, skip ahead to on the film stamp uh, on the timestamp to film faves. Hear about our favorite Chinese movies. Because here we go. We're going to wrap up this discussion with a spoiler discussion of Disney's Mulan. So, Jeff. Yes, ma'am. What did you like about this film in spoiler section? Well, okay. I don't necessarily like have anything in particular I like, don't like. I think one of the, uh, you know, divide spoilers like that necessarily. But okay, well, things, let's just go all at it. I think the big thing that I want to talk about in spoilers is the witch. There's two things. I fucking love the witch. I, I totally understand why. And there's a lot to appreciate about the witch. Here's what I find interesting about the, the witch. And I think you kind of touched on this uh, a little bit earlier. Her and Mulan meet, right? And I kind of called this when I saw them in the trailer uh, meeting and, and her and the witch coming face to face with Mulan. When they're Mulan. in like the sulfur type area. I think area. so. I think so. She's yellow. all like, you and I are like, or whatever. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like two women. That's not what she sounded like. <laughs> whatever it is. 
she, this is, I figured, oh, this is going to be like two women in a man's world, and she's kind of been spurned by men somehow, probably maybe even have some really awful experiences with men, ugly experiences, right? And this is the direction she's taken with her life, and here's Mulan, and here's the direction she's taken. Uh, it isn't quite 100% like that, but here's what it is. That's very interesting. It's, uh, she says, like, she, it's essentially, these are two women who are relegated to expectations societal expectations gender role expectations whatever it is and if they don't conform to those things they will be cast off by society right and on one level that's interesting enough about the fact that they're women but another layer is added about the fact that they are asian women which i think from i think that that is something even more important right i think it, it probably adds even more substance to this idea of people having their voices their individuality with their desires whatever it is who they are what makes them special being subjugated or or ignored or cast off in society right i am not an asian woman so this is not experience i can speak to but I hear tell <laughs> this is an issue that minority women struggle with, right? So to have these two characters represented in this film, like it's much more than just women empowerment in general. I think it's interesting that we're seeing something more being represented here. One thing that this remake and... The original do is show women in the roles that kind of places women in a gender role box kind of similar to a lot of countries around the world you know that's still kind of happening today in some pockets and so I'm glad you're speaking about it I think my favorite part about the witch and Mulan meeting is that they acknowledge that each of them has this power, this ability. So I like that they acknowledge each other first mm -hmm. in a res respectable way. And then I like how they take it further. She's, you know, we always see one person, a bad, a bad guy in power, mm -hmm. sees another person that has the same power as them and is like, join me, you know, yeah, like Darth I, Vader. Right, yes, mm-hmm. Light side, dark side, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And I just really liked how, and maybe Luke Skywalker does this too, I'm, I'm sure. But I really liked how Mulan was very black and white about it. She's like, I, I know what I want, what my boundaries are, what my morals are. Mm. So I acknowledge your power. Mm. I acknowledge my own. And I'm going to continue my way. And then they take it further where they meet again and the the witch warrior is like it's too late for me and yeah. mulan acknowledges what she's saying but she also says to her it's not too late for you you can always redeem yourself you can t and she kind of spins it back on her she's like together we can achieve good yeah which is really lovely that it went the other way and and in the end you know, the witch warrior takes that opportunity and does what she can. She's tired. She's gone through a lot, you can tell, and makes her sacrifice in her own way for redemption. 
And I know that you didn't like that part, and that's why you're breathing the way you are with your puffy chest and like a puffer fish. But I really like, you know, your argument. Well, let me speak to my own argument. You could go ahead and, and finish your point. I liked it. I think it was simple. I think it was effective. Mm-hmm. I I think it puts weight to seek the redemption, do the good thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you don't necessarily have to die to do the right thing, but if if that's your decision and you know that whole death with honor thing, I'm okay with it. So, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Wow, it goes well when you say that. (laughs) Uh, One of my favorite podcasts likes to say, I hear what you're saying, but you're completely wrong. Oh, in a very playful manner. Oh, you shouldn't add that part. (laughs) You know, you're doing enough just by saying, I hear what you're saying. That is like saying Uh, you're wrong. So... Her sacrifice... Okay, so that's that's the issue I have, right? Is... Jason Scott Lee's character, who is the primary villain, he tries to kill Mulan from afar uh, and shoots an arrow at her. Now, we've seen Mulan do some pretty fucking impressive acrobatics and, uh, you know, parry and, and dodge much more difficult things than a single arrow. So Mulan, we are led to believe, could have handled herself with that one arrow that she sees coming. Gon Lee's character sacrifices herself, gets in the way of the arrow, and kills herself. Now, that's not necessary, but it felt like the script needed that to happen. And it feels like, you're right, you know, you you bring up the point where Mulan says, hey, you know, it's not too late for you, and, you know, together we can do a lot. Well, yeah, but the script seems to say, no, there's only room for one powerful woman, Asian woman here. I hate when you do that. And uh, so we can't ha- we can't possibly have both of them live and and uh, live in the society together. No. So one of them has to go. And that was the issue. And that's just not. I just I just don't like that. That's not okay. That's not okay. That wasn't necessary. So, like, what if what if the witch and Mulan fought together against the main villain? You know? How cool would that have been? Maybe, like, the mm-hmm. villain wouldn't have stood a freaking chance and it would have lasted a minute or two. But it would have been, like, I am imagining in my head the image of these two women fighting together on either side of this villain, you know? And him having to try to fight off this these, these empowered women. You know, I think that would have been better imagery than to say oh, we have to knock off one of the most powerful women in the in our story i like what you're saying about an alternate i i like even the idea of them fighting next to each other mm-hmm. for just even a little bit mm-hmm. and then maybe there's a bigger final blow that occurs yeah like, sure that's fine too actually right? i really sort like of. that idea so i think you have a good point she did not need to sacrifice herself especially in straight that up moment. like that yes. okay I do think it had to happen for the story to move it along quickly. Mm. But you're right. I think given our history of looking at other Chinese films and stories, it could have been more epic a death than that. And maybe that was a little rude. If there Um, needed to be a death at all. Yeah, because like what would happen next? Would she go to the forest and heal herself? Just mentally, I mean, and emotionally. Because I think there's a lot there. 
Imagine an emperor who has that witch by her side as an advisor. By his side? Yeah, by, uh, by his side in the end as his advisor or uh, second in command and has someone like Mulan in his army. Actually, that sounds great. They've... I know that's contrary to society, the society mm. <laughs> historically, but... But at the same time, you know what I like about what you're saying? What do you like about oh, what I'm saying? Tell no, actually, me. Actually, I have to take that away. Oh, come on. <laughs> I like what you're saying that, you know, there could have been a way you could have swayed this, played it out at least a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But I also thought about, well, the, the witch has done really, really bad things. Mm. And it would have actually caused a bigger issue, I think. And I, I like to believe that the witch thought about this. I like to believe that the witch thought, hey, if I do change for the greater good, if I change my life for the greater good and live, people will still remember all the bad I did. And he has Mulan. She's the new girl on the block. She's got the power that I have. She will be even more powerful than me. I will shadow her and make people fear her when she doesn't necessarily need to be feared. So we've got these two characters who have the same power that are coming from different backgrounds. I mean, think about if Darth Vader lived, you know, like it probably would not have been good. Lots of people would have wanted revenge. So I'm thinking in the context of this this uh, country, like there would have been uproar. People, You're saying the, the witch is the Darth Vader of China's history? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, China's pretty epic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I feel like it would have, you would have had that to argue. All right. Anything else you want to throw in there before we wrap up? I love the sword that Mulan received, that it had mm. an additional honor element to it. The character, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it has the three characters. Being a warrior, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that it was family. Family was included on there, on the, on the other the end, side. Yeah. And I don't know how they forged that thing so quickly. They have them. <laughs> they hauled ass they, after they her. They have them in spare, <laughs> uh-huh. and it's nothing to add a character. It's like being ready for the toddler's birthday party coming, minutes. and they ordered the clearance stuff, you yeah. know? So they've got, they've got a storeroom for such occasions. They must be prepared. Women have a very push-pull relationship with wanting to have a family or be there for their family and still exercise their power and potential and grow themselves, you know? So I love that that was honored there in that way and it it, it kind of brings the balance. Very cool. Uh, we should really speak to the Phoenix very briefly. There, there was a Phoenix. At first I thought it was like actually in... The world of this story but it, about halfway no. through the film i realized oh it's like part of mulan's imagination it's for her it's her spirit guide right it's not a literal thing it's in her mind's eye more or less that's the best way i can explain it it's not something that exists in a literal sense in this story it's kind of as if she it's as if a character were communing with their god or their, right. their ancestor for guidance yeah, going I think forward. Some people are mistaking it as a Mushu replacement and that does not no. ring <laughs> no. true to me at all. It, no. It's just, it's speaking to other elements of the story. All right, so 
with that, I think that's about everything. We've exhausted and gone way too long. I think about almost twice longer than what we're supposed to for our review. So apologies for that. But what do you think about Mulan? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. It is now time for Film Faves. Film Faves is inspired by a feature on the Gibson Review, the blog, wherein we count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this episode, we have spent, off and on throughout the year, time filling out our Chinese blind spots and trying to figure out what are our favorite Chinese films. Chinese cinema, it seems like a really kind of big area that doesn't get explored enough and you you have all these different aspects you have kung fu films you have wuxia films you have historic epics and you have your dramas every once in a while you might have a comedy but usually that's within either the kung fu well usually that's like maybe in the kung fu genre not a lot of comedies from what i could find in the in chinese cinema you also have like contemporary dramas and such too Major directors were looked at here with this research. We have Yang Wu Ping, uh, Warkon Wai, Zhang Mao, Ang Lee, Stephen Chow. Who else uh, did we see? I feel like there's one other one I'm, I'm just uh, overlooking in my uh, memory. Um, you might have already mentioned her, but who is the mother in Crazy Rich Asians and the main character, one of the main characters in? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Well, that's Michelle Yeoh, not one okay. of the directors. Michelle Yeoh, we didn't really see too much of Michelle's Michelle Yeoh's work, but Gone Lee is a big one. Jackie Chan is a big one. We saw a little bit of Jet Li, too. There are some films that I <laughs> I wanted so much. We fi- I figured we had plenty of time, and we did, but we didn't utilize the time well enough, and so there were some that did not get to be seen like I wanted. A Better Tomorrow is one of those, as well as Yi Yi, Londe's Journey in Tonight, Coming Home, War Con Wise in the Mood for Love, which felt like an essential one. I've seen it long ago. Shanna has not. Uh, 2046, which is a spiritual sequel to that movie. Shanna, we didn't get to see Infernal Affairs, uh, Ip Man, Grandmaster. You didn't get to see To Live, which is another Zayna Mao film. We saw a lot of Zayna Mao, though. And I think, oh, and Ashes, The Purest White, which was another recent film. But we saw somewhere over 20 other Chinese films taking into account past and present in terms of our viewing experience, what we have seen to try to formulate this list. So we tried doing as much as we could, even though we fell short a little bit on those nine or 10 films. Shanna, what was the experience for you of watching and catching up on these Chinese cinema blind spots? What did you think of Chinese cinema in general? Um, was it a, in any way a challenge for you preparing for this list? It was only challenging because it was this new muscle that had to be kind of exercised. As I had said earlier with the Mulan review, a lot happens in Chinese movies. Like 
we'll be 15, 20 minutes in and I'll be like, so do we have 20 minutes left of this hour and a half film? And you're like, no, we're only 20 minutes in. So I feel like the speed at which they tell stories and the types of stories they tell definitely at times for me is like, oh, okay, this is a new experience. At times I have to get used to certain elements and at times I don't have to. I did find that with the Chinese films, if I did not like it within 10 to 15 minutes, I was not going to watch it. Like and to the, degree, the, the Chinese stories are very intense, yeah. you know. To a degree, that's totally fair given our workload too. You know, and also because it's Chinese cinema, you couldn't multitask with other tasks that you needed to do with work or whatever. You need yeah. to have the time to sit down and be completely focused. So since we were trying to get through as, uh, up to upwards of 20 films or, or more, it's totally fair that you had to create that boundary. And there's only two times where you exercised it. Well, and I think that people know us well enough now that they probably know that we don't do English dubbing. In fact, it drives us up the wall. Uh, that happened in one of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is happening? Why don't you have it on the right settings, Jeff? <laughs> and you had it on the right settings. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, this particular copy had English dubbing and it was just ridiculous. Like I prefer how Chinese people speak in their language about things yeah. in, in such an intentional straightforward condensed way Mm. so it ended up being a bit of a challenge in terms of making the list because actually in total we were aiming somewhere around 30 films that between the two of us we would have seen i think i have seen a little bit more than you in general but we fell short of that goal and it was a little hard to make our own respective lists as a result So we combined our list. Now, one thing I failed to mention, for those who don't know, part of the purpose of this is for you to get an idea of our tastes in film, but also to help expose you to films you may not be familiar with or have seen. And what better topic than Chinese cinema, right, to do that. Now, the thing is, uh, to help you with that, we try to point you in the direction of streaming services that they may be available on. We focus on, because there's a bajillion out there, we only focus on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, and HBO Now. Some movies may be available to rent on Amazon. They may be on the Criterion channel. They may be on HBO Max. We don't know. They may, but these are the ones that we focus on. And in this case, on our combined list, there are two examples that are available on one of those streaming services. We'll point them out as we go along. Shanna, get us started with our number 12th favorite Chinese movie. Our number 12 just so happens to be available to stream on Netflix. Yay! It's Shadow from 2019. Life and intrigue in an ancient Chinese court. Now, that's how IMDb describes it, but I'm going to go ahead and add my own little thing here. This movie is fairly complex with a man kind of training his doppelganger that he found to take his place in the court and commit revenge for him. The, there's a couple kingdoms happening in here. We're, we're at the point where kingdoms are fighting. I think it's pre-war era. Does that make sense to you? I understand what you're saying. I cannot confirm or deny it. Okay. 
I just that, don't that is the interpretation I get from this. Uh, these kingdoms are fighting. Some of them have truces. But there's these separate kingdoms that fight either among themselves or other places. And you get to see a young king show his lack of care and love for not only his family, but also his people. With beautiful fighting techniques and cinematography. Uh, a very desaturated look. And there's stuff that happens with water, which is always exciting for me. This is one of many Zayna Mal films that we saw. as his most recent film that we saw. And the third act especially is really cool in terms of what you're speaking to. Very cool. What is our number 11 favorite Chinese movie? Our number 11 is House of Flying Daggers from 2004. Now, this was available for a really long time to stream, and now all of a sudden it's not. Mm -hmm. So keep your eyes open, because maybe it'll roll back. A romantic police captain breaks a beautiful member of a rebel group out of prison to help her rejoin her fellows. But things are not what they seem. The reason I love this film is because of all the color, the symbolism, the cinematography, the movement. This is where we have that wuxia practice being shown to us there's a a lot of whoa how did they do that things happening here Mm -hmm. also directed by Zayna Mao I think it was a second big wuxia international release as well and it starred Zayn Ziyi who had become a rising star a few years before Shanna what is our 10th favorite Chinese movie Our number 10 is Drunken Master from 1980. This is the film I was talking about that for some reason has some English dubbing happening. And I'm like, what? No, that's stupid dialogue. I know they're not giving stupid dialogue. Show me the real dialogue. Like, it was very upsetting. Anyway, this has got Jackie Chan, guys. He looks like a little kid. It's awesome. (laughs) He's He's so young. There's a couple other recognizable faces in there, too. You'll know what I mean when you watch it. Basically, what we have here is Jackie Chang is a young adult teenager type person, and he's rebellious and doesn't really care about his actions, but at times he's compassionate, too. So he's kind of in this weird phase and his father's had enough his father is i can't train you you keep taking the shortcuts and the ways out you're gonna go to your uncle and it turns out the uncle is this incredibly scary man and there's tales about him Mm -hmm. like oh he'll so and so went and trained with him and 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 his back is broken you know so jackie chan is understandably really afraid but of course you get to see him go through this training journey and it's it's really quite nice with a couple of very serious moments but also comedic ones too yeah, and you know, I wonder, uh, there's a friend of ours who supplied this. He owns a bunch of kung fu films, friend of the show. He's been on the show before, Alan. And he, I, I want to ask him if if the dubbing thing is just a regular aspect of 70s kung fu films, 80s kung fu films, because it was very odd. It was very odd. And, and you don't, you definitely go to, don't go to this movie for its sharp dialogue writing. You know, you definitely you go for the choreography by Yun Wu Ping, who later did The Matrix and a bunch of other movies, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that was the action choreographer there. There's some amazing things that you can't believe Jackie Chan 
does in this. It's also just a very silly movie. Well, too. and it's all practical. Yeah. Physical stuff too. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. So what is our ninth favorite Chinese movie? Our number nine is from 1992, Raise the Red Lantern. A young woman becomes the fourth wife of a wealthy lord and must learn to live with the strict rules and tensions within the household. I love how this film is shot. It really focuses on women, their faces, their issues, their hopes, desires, loves, and pains. It's very complicated. It's kind of hard to keep up with at times. At times, I'll be baffled because there's such obscure things happening to women in this show and women doing things to other women. So at times, it's really bizarre but it's also really educational and letting me know about other practices around the world and in this case it's obviously something that could happen and would happen in china and that film stars gone lee and also directed by zane yamao and you know it's interesting watching his first six films five or six films how he really becomes apparent as a very feminist filmmaker in in communist china and and uh it's very impressive and very cool and this is no exception to that it's actually one of the the best ones raise the red lantern from 1992 our eighth favorite chinese movie is the killer by john woo from 1990 shanna interestingly enough you don't really remember this one very well but we saw this i showed this to you a few well, years ago i was ago. about to say have i watched this <laughs> yeah uh, i think maybe if you rewatch the trailer you'd remember it sort of but don't do it right now we're recording <laughs> uh but you saw hard boiled more recently i think the killer is the better movie it stars chow yun fat as essentially this killer this hired uh, trained killer who essentially is looking for Uh, redemption and he even partners with a cop and there's a woman who was blinded by him in uh, kind of got in a crossfire during a gunfight and he's kind of responsible gunfighting in this movie well you know the whole thing that became a trope and a big thing in act in 90s action like really can be traced back to this film the killer by john woo you know i mean and every john woo signature can be traced back to this one too the doves the slow motion action oh yes there's a lot that comes from this the double gun bad uh, boys wouldn't be a thing without this film that's probably true in some ways absolutely uh so this is a one of the coolest and best modern Chinese action films. That's The Killer by John Woo from 1990. I would say the best film of his career. Sorry, Face Off fans. <laughs> Shanna, what's our seventh favorite Chinese movie? Our number seven is Red Sorghum. And you just spoke about Raise the Red Lantern being this feminist movie mm-hmm. by, uh, what is his name? Zayn Amal. Zayn Amal. And this is also by Zainamal. And in 1930s, a leprous winery owner in China dies a few days after his arranged marriage. His young widow is forced to run the winery and become an entrepreneur, making a living while contending with bandits, her drunkard lover, 
and the invading Japanese army. I love the widow's strength in this film and her perseverance and her ability to become this fantastic entrepreneur. I think this is this is the movie that has a couple of scenes that are really hard to watch but really give you insight into what was happening when the Japanese were invading China. So at times it's hard, but you'll get through it. It's only a few minutes of it, just so that you're warned. Yeah, no, Red Sorghum, that's, I think, his first film, actually. And what a debut. Hard to find, but a really excellent debut. Our sixth favorite, hitting the halfway point here, our sixth favorite Chinese movie is 1988's Police Story. Coming back to Jackie Chan here. This is a movie that launched an entire franchise for Jackie Chan. Most of it did not cross over to American audiences unless like they are really niche audiences who are into Jackie Chan or Chinese cinema. Uh, Criterion eventually snapped, snatched up the first two police story films, but there's like, I don't know, I want to say like six police story films in total. They've been making them recently too. But this is supposed to be the creme de la creme, and I've only seen the first three or four and I only remember the first two very well. Uh, Shannon, you've seen them. That's why I remember them so well, because we watched them together not that long ago. What is Police Story about? Well, a virtuous Hong Kong police officer must clear his good name when the drug lord he's after frames him for the murder of a dirty cop. It also stars Maggie Chun. Shannon, you might remember this as the one with the, the car chase down the hill and also the one that ends in the mall. Yeah, I was about to say the mall. Uh, mm -hmm. It makes malls look really scary because it's this, you know, multiple level mall, kind of like something mm -hmm. at Pacific Place in Seattle. And it's kind of scary, but also really well choreographed. Yeah, some amazing action here. It's amazing what some people do. There's also a car chase that goes through the city. Some real stunts with Jackie Chan. Bone-breaking stunts that you see uh, in this film. It's just uh, absolutely extraordinary. I think this is one of the first ones, to my knowledge, where you can stay for the credits and see some of the bloopers of basically watching people get horribly injured. <laughs> Kind of like know. what the Jackie Chan movies do, you know? Later on, yes. Yeah. Right, what they became named, known for. And this is definitely one of those Jackie Chan movies. The, one of the most recommended Jackie Chan movies. That is Police Story from 1988. Our fifth favorite... Chinese movie moving right along here is actually by Stephen Chow going with a different director and creator this time it is Kung Fu Hustle from 2005 available on Netflix this movie just barely edged out Shaolin Soccer off of our list in Shanghai, China, in the 1940s, a wannabe gangster aspires to join the notorious Axe Gang, while residents of a housing complex exhibit extraordinary powers in defending their turf. This movie is a mix of various different genres. Kung Fu, you have a little bit of Looney Tunes in there, some crazy hilarity. You also have, like, I guess it's taking wuxia and turning it into kind of the superhero genre that was popularizing at the time this movie was made. It's just really awesome, really funny, 
and I won't spoil any of the surprises it has waiting for you, but if you haven't seen it, you absolutely must. As Stephen Chow's Kung Fu Hustle from 2005, you can find it on Netflix. Okay, I have to say, I just watched the trailer. I've never watched this movie, but I watched the trailer and like a mother figure or the landlord or something. Oh, don't, don't, don't spoil it. Don't what? spoil it. But it's, she slaps uh, him I, so hard. Uh, well, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some things about the landlady I don't oh, want you okay. to spoil. Well, the landlady slaps the scar and <laughs> he like flips over like a starfish <laughs> and his flops fall off. So I'm just thinking like that's pretty amusing. Why don't you tell us about our fourth favorite Chinese movie? Our fourth favorite is from 1994. A senior... uh, (laughs) We'll just go right in it and reveal the title at the end. Eat, drink, man, woman. A senior chef lives with his three grown daughters. The middle one finds her future. Plans affected by unexpected events and the life changes of the other household members. I love each of these women... Uh, and their stories and how they're going about everyday life. It's a pretty dense story because we're getting to really follow these characters and they're so wonderfully, is it actualized? Sure. What? What? Is there a better word? Realized? Realized. I love watching the middle daughter who kind of deals with this tugging and pulling of being there for her dad, but not necessarily having a verbal conversation about it. She kind of just wants to be there without him having to ask. And it's just interesting how they deal with that. Again, like I haven't mentioned this before, but I love food in Chinese films. I just, it's like, damn, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all food porn to me. Yeah, I was going to say, this is one of the horniest of food porns (laughs) yeah beautiful film and funny at times our third favorite chinese movie of all time is also by zanya mao obviously a favorite director of ours it's from 2001 and it is the road home starring zang ziyi essentially a man recalls the story of how his father and mother uh met in flashback upon the death of his father and, and while his mother is grieving. Zhang Ziyi plays the young version of his mom. And, you know, this is a movie that I came very close to skipping in our research, trying to prioritize what movies for us to see. And I'm really glad that I didn't because obviously it became one of the bigger favorites of ours. It's such a simple and beautiful story and uh, is one of the most touching stories as well that we saw. This is one of my favorite love stories of, of all time, really. It's really? so intense, even though they are apart. The significance of the road is told in a slow manner, and I just love the performances and what happens to each character throughout the movie. Yeah, beautiful film. Shanna, another beautiful film are... Last Zanya Mal favorite. I know he's dominated this list. <laughs> this Tell is, us this is the Zanya Mal list. <laughs> Tell us what our f- second favorite Chinese movie is. Our second favorite is Hero from 2004. 
a defense officer, nameless, was summoned by the king regarding his success of terminating three warriors. The cinematography and color symbolism in the story is my favorite. If you ever wanted to do a study on color of, you know, Chinese symbolism of color in particular, this would be the film to go look at. It's it's just amazing. It's also a great story about honor and how that can look for certain characters and how it differs. Yeah, this movie is extraordinary. It, it is a, a touch Rashomon like and it's absolutely gorgeous only now are some of the visuals starting to show their age i think yeah but not by too much not Not too much i mean that's how amazing the visuals in this film are i wouldn't say that that's necessarily the case with house of flying daggers uh, which was released in the states the same year but hero uh, which was originally made a couple years before absolutely has held up 18 years later and is just beautiful beautiful story i love it so much all right shanna our absolute favorite chinese movie is also another film by another director on our list that we've mentioned before that director is ain lee is a movie from the year 2000 and stars michelle yo that's why <laughs> that's a big part and it is crouching tiger hidden dragon yes it stars michelle Yeoh, but also stars chow yun fat mm-hmm. and pp chun and zang yi yi yeah. who became a huge star uh, because of this movie she was in the road home before that technically before crouching tiger was released shannon why don't you share with everyone why this was your favorite chinese movie A young Chinese warrior steals a sword from a famed swordsman and then escapes into a world of romantic adventure with a mysterious man in the frontier. (sighs) But that's not the reason why. That's what it's about. Yes. Partially. But I love the performances in this movie and I love the cinematography, the colors, the, the wuxia element. This is one of those movies that have absolute beauty in its tragedies. And I love each of the actors and actresses in this film. And I'm always super pleased when I get to see them again. Yeah, this film is absolutely gorgeous. It, the, the story writing, it's not just visually gorgeous, but the writing is beautiful. The way it, it weaves the different elements and the different characters. And, and it might even take you a couple times to fully understand what the movie is about and 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 stuff and from what i've also heard it and integrates certain chinese legends of a particular mountain where people trained in certain arts uh, martial arts and stuff and and it's everything that kung fu and wuxia films aspire to be it seems to me like it is the peak of that subgenre of film but there's uh, so much in the, in the writing as well as the performances and the visuals and the choreography is just astounding. And again, there's only a couple shots that are actually starting to show their age 20 years later. It took 20 years, the better part of it, for it to start to show its age. It all still works wonderfully. So Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, our favorite Chinese movie. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what you're 
doing with life, but you absolutely must check it out. But what are your favorite Chinese movies? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Shanna, that's another episode in the books. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online before we talk about the next episode? You can find me on Flickchart. That isn't quite updated, but there it is. At Spellbinding A. Not A, but A. <laughs> and then you can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography. So go to thegiftsandreview.com. That is the main website where you can find all features, all episodes of the movie lovers all major and past lists are available on there you can follow us on social media the gibson review on facebook and the gibson 99 on instagram instagram must uh, note two things first of all shout out to the account synaption who has been very supportive of our instagram account and help bring more attention to it thank you very much to synaption at the time of recording he has helped get us up to 200 followers uh, so thank you for that synaption on the instagram i often do bracket polls uh, for your favorite movies, you will find on there soon, if not the time this thing has hit your ears, a poll for your favorite Chinese movie that you get to vote on. Uh, recently, they are finishing up their favorite teen movie. I'll tell you the results of that in the next episode. It looks like it came down to Lady Bird and Heather's. Very surprising, very interesting uh, that it came down to those two films for favorite teen movie. They also voted Scarlett Johansson as their favorite actress of all time. And I think that may be it right now in terms of updating you on what, they, what they've loved. Uh, but go to Instagram the Gibson 99 for to keep up on that and participate in the fun. You can also find me at Flickchart at the Gibson 99 there. Now, next episode, uh, we're going to go back to one of our March backwards through time aftershock episodes. Previously, we did as aftershocks our favorite discoveries from our journey going backwards through time the past three years. We also did our favorite actors and actresses. Now, in the next episode, we'll do favorite directors of all time as our film fave segment. For the main event, though, I think, Shanna, correct me if I'm wrong, I think our main review will be Antebellum. Did we decide Antebellum over Congillionaire? I think, yeah, we did. Okay. That, that looked super interesting and frightening. All right, so... Keep an eye out for our thoughts on Antebellum and our favorite directors of all time. You will find that episode on Tuesday, September 29th. Also, be sure to check out our bonus episode, which has our review of Tenet, Christopher Nolan's latest release. That was just released a couple days ago on, I think, Maybe even Sunday, September 6th. So go find that as well. You can find that on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. In the meantime, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.